Hi, my name is Mark Riggins, and I'm pastor here at LifePoint, located in Plano, Texas, and we meet here every Sunday at 1030, and we are here for your family. I hope today's message is an encouragement to you. Well, it is good to see all of you today, and hey, I just want to talk, if you're new here today, every Sunday I know is somebody's first Sunday, and so if you're new, you're a guest, we just want to say welcome, we're grateful that you're here, and a lot of times if you're new, I know this is what happens. When you're new, you kind of step outside of your comfort zone a little bit, and you end up sitting in kind of a strange place that you haven't sat before. And I know, I just want you to know that we have a lot of people who are sitting in strange places that they haven't sat before, and so you're among friends. Dutch, you said you were going to sit on the front row, and here you are. Thank you for doing that. It is amazing. I didn't even realize that was the color of your hair. You're normally so far back. But I love it, and it's good to have you here today, this close. Listen, if you're a guest here, I do want to say this. What we're doing is we've kind of rearranged our room a little bit and we're inviting folks to be a little closer. The goal is to create a little bit more of critical mass because we're trying to create a little better guest experience for you. In fact, to give you an example, just this past week, I got a chance to go to a Texas Ranger baseball game and Rangers are kind of pulling it around a little bit and there were 25,000 people in the stadium. So much fun. But it holds 40,000, so it was a little over 60% full. It wasn't bad. But I've also been to the stadium when it was completely full, and there's a different level of energy. You know, when you go to those sellouts, it's just a better experience. And so in the same way, our people here at LifePoint love to invite friends to come with them, family and neighbors to come with them. And so we're glad that you're here today as a guest and just know we're working hard to try and create the best experience possible for you today. And if you feel a little out of your comfort zone, a lot of us do today, and we're grateful that you're here with us. We really, really are. Well, today, I want us to kick off with a question. And so it's a pretty broad question, and you'll all have an answer for it. And it is simply this. What is your favorite casual dining or sit-down restaurant? Now, you may have a, you know, different... Uh, different types of food. You may have different locations you like to go to. It's Father's Day. I don't know what you're planning on doing today. If you're planning on taking uh, somebody to eat or if you're going to grill out. But what is your favorite restaurant? If you could pick one place, what would it be? Here's what I would like to ask you to do. Would you take the next 10 seconds and just ask the person sitting beside you, whether you know them or not, what is your favorite sit-down restaurant? Just take 10 seconds and ask them, the person beside you. Hey, if you're online, those of you, we're just so grateful that you're here with us. Would you just take a minute and comment in the comments right now, what is your favorite restaurant? And I love to go back later in the day and check those out. We're glad that you're here. If you want to go ahead and grab your Bibles, we'll be at Acts chapter 2 today. Welcome to the service today. All right, let's, let's take a second and let's find out what your answer is. What is your favorite restaurant? And, uh, and, and I tell you what, let's just start with this far right section to my right. What's your, just somebody shout it out. What's your favorite restaurant that you like to go to? Tootie's? What is it? Chewy's. That's different from what I heard. Chewy's sounds better. All right, right here. What is your favorite restaurant? Shane said Chuck E. Cheese. The skeet ball. All right, I believe it too. All right, right here. Favorite restaurant? Did you say Cheddar's? Cheddar's. Chamberlain's. Nice. All right. We're getting a little better than Chuck E. Cheese. Right here. Favorite restaurant? Ca what, a, what a contrast. We had Capitol Grill 
And then Leo said White Castle. He is from St. Louis, so you can, yeah. All right, right here, favorite restaurant? Texas Roadhouse? All right, good, that's a good place. All right, last but not least, this section, favorite sit-down restaurant, casual dining, what is it? What is it, Christy? Silver Fox. All right, I'm planning to Google that later and find out what it is I'm missing out on. Well, have you ever driven by one of these restaurants, especially when it's new or new to you, and it's all polished, it's like, you know, completely branded well, it's like this shiny new restaurant, and you drive by, and what you know is, it didn't start out that way. It didn't just show up one day, this beautiful finished product. Somebody that you probably have never met worked really hard, maybe started off like a hole in the wall kind of a place. They worked a lot of hours, maybe long days, maybe for many years to get it to this place. And now when you drive by, you get to see the product of somebody's hard work behind the scenes. Well, in the same way, we're sitting in a Christian church today. But Christianity didn't start in Plano, Texas. Christianity started a long time ago and there were a bunch of people we've never met who put in a lot of long hours to get Christianity all the way here to Plano, Texas in 2022. So that's what we're doing in this series is we're learning how did those first original Jesus followers 2,000 years ago after Jesus rose from the dead, how did they activate faith? How did they activate the church And what can we learn from their practices that would allow us as we begin this summer to activate our faith, learning from what they did? And today I'm really excited because as it turns out, there is an original Jesus follower habit. It was a unique habit. It grew their faith or it activated their faith and it attracted people to Christianity. And let me just say this, most of us who are here would probably say, I'd like to grow my faith. I'd like to activate my faith. I'd like to know God more. And we'd like to have the kind of faith that attracts people to Christianity like those original Jesus followers did. It's kind of like we're saying, yeah, I like the way this restaurant looks. It looks really nice. But there is a cost to be paid. And it's this unique habit that I want us to look at today. And here's the question. Well, what do you do when there is something that you want that's great, but it includes a high cost? I think we've got to look at what it is that's great and what is the cost, and then you get to decide if it's a step that you believe is worth taking. And I am really glad those original Jesus followers took this step, and I think there's some... I'm going to tell you what we're going to talk about today. It's one of those things that I really believe, if you were to say, Mark, what's the one thing that tends to grow people's faith more than anything else? It's what we're going to talk about today. I believe it's that critical. It's the one thing that's grown my faith the most, and as I talk to other people, this is the one thing that is consistently in their life, and it's no wonder the original Jesus followers had this unique habit in their life as the church was activated. So let's look at this habit together today. If you've got your Bibles, I hope you'll turn with me to Acts chapter 2. We're going to pick up where we left off last week. We're going to pick up in verse 42. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. There's one there in the row that you're sitting in. You can grab one of those. We're going to turn to page 884 in that Bible, and let's look together at Acts chapter 2, and let's discover what was that one unique habit that 
activated the church, that activates your faith and activates mine. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, we're going to begin with these three words. It says, they devoted themselves. Would you just say those three words out loud with me? Say that with me. They I want to point out the very first word because I think it's important in the context of what's just happened historically. The writer of the book of Acts is Luke, and he simply refers to these early Jesus followers as they, which is really interesting. He's referring to them as if they are one body or one group or have one identity. He's not making any distinctions. He's just saying they. Now, if you were here last week, then you'll remember that originally there was just a handful of Jesus followers. Some historians say as many as 120 men, women, family. And then all of a sudden, at the end of Peter's message last week, we saw him begin to declare Jesus and share Jesus for the first time in history. And 3,000 people came to know Jesus and surrendered their life to Jesus. So now we have this original small group, and then we have this mass of 3,000 people came to Jesus, and Peter just refers to all of them as they. They're all one. All of a sudden, these people from all these different backgrounds, think about it, they all came to Jerusalem, and historically what we know is they would have had different political leanings with, with the nation of, or the empire of Rome over Israel. People were coming from different parts of the empire. They would have seen things politically different. There would have been people of different cultures, different geography. We know they had different languages. And yet they all came together. And what we're going to see is many of them were all meeting in these different houses and for some reason, they were meeting together despite their differences. They were laying things down in order to benefit from meeting together. Now listen, what I find fascinating is they begin to sell property. They begin to lay down their preferences. And what they were doing is they'd made a decision. And man, this is much easier to look back on history and appreciate than it is to actually do. They chose people over preferences and they began to be good neighbors they chose people over their property so they could be good neighbors they chose people over politics so they could be good neighbors they seem to know something that I think we forget, that one day we will stand before God and he will not ask us if we were Democrat or Republican, but were we good neighbors? Luke looks and says, they, they had become one. It wasn't like the new people versus the old people, the, the immature versus the mature, the experienced versus the inexperienced. They were all indistinct they were simply one they now why don't we see that as much anymore I believe one of the struggles we have in our culture is the cost of inconveniences and our differences are too high for some people to pay for the oneness that we really all want because it's inconvenient to do what these people were doing. There were a lot of differences they were having to overlook in order to experience what they were experiencing. But you and I know this is true. In order to become one, we must embrace flexibility and offer each other grace. 
I just want to say this about LifePoint. I have noticed from day one, and I admire it, I love it, and I'm so proud of us as a church. We embrace flexibility, and we give each other grace. And as we move forward, can I just say, let's keep embracing that those values as a church, as we talk about a future location, that we keep embracing flexibility as we wait on the Lord and we continue to give each other grace as we pursue his will for us. I love that we've done that. I know that we'll continue to do that. And I think it echoes the original Jesus followers as well. They devoted themselves. Now, it's that next word I want us to look at now. Say that word with me, devoted. And listen, they weren't just attending. They just weren't interested. They were devoted. Now, if you're new here today, you may just be here and go, look, I'm just a little curious. I am far from devoted. Anyone who is devoted starts out curious. And so we're just glad that you're here and you can consider when and if you're ready to take that next step. But if you are a Jesus follower... You will not get what you want out of your faith until you become devoted. And these original Jesus followers, they just weren't interested. They weren't just making it part of their ritual. They were turning their lives upside down. The rituals, I mean, think about the new relationships and the new priorities in their life. This was a new devotion for them. This was a new way of living. They devoted themselves. And you may wonder, well, what did they devote themselves to? What was the cost and price that they were paying? And that's a great question. We're going to look at, there were four, we're going to focus on two. Look at the rest of this verse. Chapter 2, verse 42, here's the full verse. They devoted themselves to, and here are the four things, the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer which we talked about in week one. Now, for the purposes of time today, I want us to focus on these first two, that they devoted themselves to teaching and to fellowship. Much of this you will notice in the next couple of verses is taking place in homes. The homes of people who just days ago would have been strangers. And now they're devoted to both teaching and to fellowship. Now, here's one thing as we think about teaching. If you're like me, when I think about teaching, I immediately think about the Bible and do I know enough? Have I learned enough? What's next for me to take in informationally? But I think it's real important as we look at these original Jesus followers to remember something. They didn't have a completed New Testament. The original Jesus followers didn't even have access to the full Old Testament. That would have been somewhere in town probably where they would have walked to it and had access to it. But they wouldn't have had it house to house. They would have memorized what they uh, were able to take with them into that meeting. But they wouldn't have had, they couldn't have pulled out their iPhone and pulled up version like me and you. They wouldn't have even had a copy of scripture to take with them. It was a different day. This is way before the printing press and way before the cost of copying documents was affordable for the common person and so here we have people who believed in a bible they didn't have much access to and see i think in the 2022 we forget that there are a lot of people around the world who still don't have access to the word of god and in our day sometimes if we aren't careful we can take this wonderful bible 
and we can make it an idol. Because we make it the destination instead of the resource that leads us to its author, our wonderful God. This has always been a relational faith, Christianity. This wonderful scripture guides us and leads us to our creator, our savior, and our redeemer. Yeah, it turns out they were teaching all right. But as it says on the screen, the first century Christians had limited access to the Bible, but practiced unlimited community. In our day, we have unlimited access to the Bible, but we practice limited community. And as we look back, I think there's a lot to learn. Because they had little Bible and a lot of community, and they changed the world. We have a lot of Bible and a little bit of community, and I wonder what our impact will be. Here's a statement that feels more controversial than I mean it to be, but let me explain it. You can't have a little bit of community and a lot of Bible and get the faith you want. You can't have a little bit of community and a lot of Bible and get the faith you want. Here's what I'm trying to say. At the end of the day, if you don't have community with other people who are walking toward Jesus, you will not experience the kind of growth in faith that you were designed to experience. It is a great big missing piece in way too many Christians' life. And the original Jesus followers decided to make it a priority in order to grow their faith, and it changed the world. Now, hear me say this. I believe in the Bible. That's why each and every week I want to open my Bible and we study the scriptures together. That's why last year we spent 24 weeks in the book of Acts because we want to know what scripture says and guides us. That's why each series we want to memorize a piece of the passage so that we can take it with us wherever we go. It's why there are Bibles in every pew. We believe that the Bible is not only inerrant, but it also leads us to a life that is more Christ-like. It leads us to God. It's just not supposed to be the destination. It's leading us to this wonderful God. It's not about information, right? It's about transformation. And what we know is information, we need to have a, an environment where the transformation takes place. And that's this relationship. That's the fellowship. So back to our verse, verse 42. Look what it says. It talks about devoted to teaching and to fellowship. Now this original word fellowship is the word koinonia, which simply means a mutual investment in each other. It means that there is a, a, a close association. Anne Ortland writes, I, I love what she writes when she says, in most church communities, there are two different kinds of relationships that you often see, or two different kinds of communities. There's a bag of marbles and a bag of grapes. In a bag of marbles, what we see are a lot of people that can be seen and they bump into each other and bounce off of each other and come together occasionally. A bag of grapes are people who come together and their lives begin to blend with each other. They almost bleed into each other when it's a bag of grapes. And this happens in koinonia. This happens in fellowship. This happens in community. So we talk a lot about sharing Jesus and building believers here at LifePoint and last week we talked about sharing Jesus and today we are talking about the other side of that same coin and that is as believers we must be built up. We must be building our faith. So building believers is both biblical 
and relational. It's both biblical and relational. And, and, and I just want to give a graph, and, and for those of you who are math people, you're going to like that, and the rest of you just kind of be patient for a second, okay? So we have on this y-axis the word Bible. Down here we have relationships. So if we were taking Acts 2.42, it says that those who are following Jesus, they devoted themselves to teaching of the disciples and to the fellowship and then the breaking of the bread and the prayer. So what we recognize is a lot of people will say, I want to grow in my knowledge of the Bible. And that's a wonderful thing to do, isn't it? We may say, I want to grow in my systematic theology, I want to grow in my doctrine, I want to grow in understanding uh, more uh, of the original languages. Man, I just want to take some more classes. I want to grow, 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 grow. The weakness of this approach, without relationships, the weakness of this approach is that we become a little wobbly and we will tend to look down on other people who don't know what we know and our faith is limited in how much it can grow. Teaching and to the fellowship. That's how they grew the original disciples. Now, watch this because there's also another extreme where we say, okay, I'm not going to worry about the Bible so much. I'm going to be all into the relationships because that's what I really enjoy our people. And so I'm going to join that group and that group and that group. I'm going to have these people over. I'm going to go over to their house. I'm going to be Mr. and Mrs. Relationship. And that's a wonderful thing to do. The problem is we don't ever grow very far in our faith and we are intimidated by these people over here who are really knowledgeable in scripture it turns out this over here is our faith and it's when bible and relationships are growing in tandem that we begin to see our faith grow and this area begins to grow even though our bible and relationships might not be as high we actually have more growing faith when they are growing together our faith will grow instead of when they grow apart it's both when the bible and the relationship are growing and i just want to say that's why we care so much about creating community groups because we know that you grow your faith better in circles than in rows and so we want this to be a place where we're launching groups whether they're in homes or on campus because we know this is the way the original jesus followers spurred their faith on and it's how we will grow our faith as well now to, to be biblical or relational without the other is to have an inactive faith. But to go for both is to really activate your faith. But here's what you already know. It comes with a cost. And the inconveniences of this and the differences are the cost of community. Because let's be honest, you've been in a group before. People are just weird, right? Right? <laughs> You ever been in one of those groups where, and if you're in one of those groups and you go, no, 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 not our group. We don't have anybody that's weird. Every group has somebody who's weird. You may want to look in the mirror, right? 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 It's, just, it's okay. Look, the, the truth is people are different and it's inconvenient. It is the cost to experience what we all want, and that is a growing faith. Now, let's be honest. We all, we've either known people or, or we've been those people where your faith grew in, in community. Scripture reminds us over and over that your faith grows best in community. 
It is in that environment where you're being watered, where, where there's light, where you're borrowing from someone's faith, where you're sharing your faith, where you're being encouraged, where you're encouraging someone else, where you haven't seen God do anything in a long time, but you meet and you see him doing something in someone else's life. It is how we go through the dark times. It's how we celebrate in the good times. We were made for community. It's where our faith grows best. But since COVID... It's been harder to sense the belonging that we all want and that we've all been made for. There's just nothing like connecting and, and, and we're not connecting like we once did as a society. And yet we know that there's an increase in emotional and mental strains. We're seeing anxiety and depression and burnout on the rise. There is no two ways around it. God created us for connection and community. And what we need and what, we will, what is required for us to grow can only be experienced in community. So I say let's be safe, but let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. We must have community. We must be intentional in order to grow our faith. Christianity was never intended to be an individual sport. Our faith, Christianity, from the first day has been relational. And that's how it was intended to be. So now back to the original cause. What then, what do you do when you want something great, but there's a high cost? Because let's be honest, getting in a group is costly. Let's be, you got childcare, that's inconvenient. For a lot of people, that's a deal killer. It takes a lot of time right? I'll be honest with you, when it comes to groups, we were telling friends Friday night that we were meeting with, I personally, there has never been a group night that I look forward to, and yet I'm selling this stuff, right? (laughs) But every time I get there, I'm always so glad I went, and when I leave, I say, I don't know how I got through without this in my life. It's that important. It makes that big, but, but time, let's be real, that's a thing, you know, you, you've got the fact that people are weird, right? That's a thing. We're, we're, we're owning that. Or you may say, you know what? I had a bad experience one time. And you probably did. You may have had a horrific experience one time. But I've been to bad restaurants, but I didn't give up on restaurants, right? I, I've been to bad doctors. I didn't give up on doctors. I'm telling you, just like the original Jesus followers, this is so critical to your faith growth. It's worth pushing through, even if it means it's going to take another risk. It's going to take another round of energy for you to get to the place to experience what God has designed you to be in. Now I want you to see the results. They paid the price by pushing through the inconveniences and differences. And watch what happened in verse 47. As the original Jesus followers began to experience what you and I want. They began praising God And they began enjoying the favor or the kindness or the encouragement of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. All of a sudden they were experiencing unique intimacy with God, which is what we want. I don't think anything satisfies us more than that. And they were experiencing community with other people who were following God. It's what we want. It's what we were designed to experience. And they were experiencing influence with people who were far from God. 
and they were living an attractive enough life where they were being drawn to Christianity. You know what Jesus said toward the end of his life? He said, by this will all people know that you are my disciples. By the love you have one for another. And here we see in verse 47, the love they had for each other was so attractive that people began to be drawn to that faith. Now, we have a wonderful history here at LifePoint of Acts 2.47. In fact, I posted this on my Facebook this week and had some, some responses, and I, and I got permission from each of these that I want to read. Just some people here in, our ch- here in our church. Joy said about her group, it was just a few months back she said that I was struggling and I needed support in prayer. And I reached out to my women's Bible study group and I asked them to pray for me and they began to support me. And I immediately felt love and encouragement. Because that happens in circles. That happens in community. Michaela said that she was, uh, a few years ago, there was a men's group called the Three Amigos. They would surprise single parents with groceries and a Thanksgiving dinner. And for her, one year, it was an answered prayer. So much so that she said she began to share what she received with her neighbors. Michael said that he took a chance and he joined a group. And he began to make friends and grow in his relationship with God. And he eventually, out of that, started a men's monthly get-together simply to build community among men. And I love what he said. And now I get to see God working in other people's lives. This is the beauty of community. God is working, and sometimes we're completely unaware because all we see is what's in the mirror. But the truth is, he's working in all of our lives. And when we're in community, we get to see it. I love what Julia said. A few years back, Our group rallied behind a former church member who was dying of cancer. And during her illness, we were at hospital with her. We moved her out of her apartment and into a care facility. And we got her set up with a will. The timing was completely God's as she got into the care center right before COVID hit. Had we waited, she would have died in her apartment alone. It was the obedient servant's heart of every person in our group and their faith that pulled this off. Isn't that great? And Christy said, I joined LifePoint in 2007, and at the time I was going through a divorce. And I joined Divorce Care, led by Sonia Baumgarten. And that group got me through the darkest days of my life. Let me say that again. That group got me through the darkest days of my life. By the way, if you know anybody going through a divorce, we're offering divorce care again this fall. Please let them know. Please invite them to come and be part of that. Meanwhile, Christy said, my son fell in love with children's ministry and he became a Club 45 worship leader thanks to Vanessa. He led songs and dance and he was baptized by PG. Listen to this. This grew our faith and helped us heal we want that for every single person isn't that right 
We want everybody to experience that kind of community. Everybody to experience that kind of encouragement. Everybody to witness what God is doing in other people's lives. But it's hard to do it when we come and we leave and we observe and then we go back to our week. Oh, it's inconvenient and people are different. But it's how we were designed to grow our faith. Just like the original Jesus followers. So I just want to say to you, if you're new, if you're brand new and you're like, man, that's the last thing I want to do is show up in one of these people's houses and do Lord knows what. I get it. Let's be honest. That's the way we all feel, right? But I just want to tell you, you are still invited to take that risk, to take that chance because, number one, we're better together. And I want you to know that you can belong at life point before you believe. That you can come and you can observe and you can ask questions and you can watch and you can decide. But you can belong here even before you believe. If you're a Jesus follower, I just want to push as hard as I can here and tell you what I've been saying all day. And that is your faith, the faith that you want, the faith that you were designed to experience, the faith that will give you the most satisfaction in your life grows best in the context of community. When the Bible and relationships are both happening, even though it's inconvenient, and even though there will be people who are different, it is where our faith grows best. So I want to give you a few things to do as we kind of wrap things up here today. In fact, here's what I want you to do. I want to ask you if you'll take your phone out. And, and, uh, and I've got a couple things I want to ask you to do with your phone. So if you'll go ahead and take your phone out, and, and if you're here and you're like, oh, my spouse said I cannot take my phone out in church, well, just ask nicely and pull the phone out, okay? Take your phone out, and I want to ask you, first of all, to save the date, August the 28th. You may plug it in your calendar or do whatever, but, but, but I just want you to save the date, August 28th. Here's why. Because that's the day we're going to launch a bunch of groups here on campus. And if child care is an issue for you, we have you covered. Child care will be free. If time is an issue, we have you covered. You'll just come 90 minutes early at 9 o'clock and we will have groups for you. You'll come and then you'll come to the service all in one morning. You'll be able to experience both community and a worship service. And so I want to encourage you just to save that day, August the 28th. Maybe give yourself a two-week notice, you know, an alert or something so that you keep that in mind and we will launch those groups, several groups, wherever you are, different stages of life, more to come. Just save that day. And here's the reason I want you to keep your phone out as well. Would you go ahead and text to the number 94,000? Would you text groups 22? And here's why. We're not going to spam you or anything, but what we do want to do is we want to send you a reminder of the August 28th date as we get closer. So that's something we'll do as we get closer to that date. Say, hey, you signed up, just wanted, or you had mentioned you wanted to be reminded, here's your reminder, okay? Just text groups, don't forget the S, groups 22 to 94,000, and that will allow us to send you a reminder as we get closer to the launch of these groups. And finally... I want to ask you as we begin this summer to do something a little different. Is there a Jesus follower in this room, in your neighborhood, in your life, that you could connect with this summer beyond this room? Maybe it's a coffee. Maybe you'll take Shane to Chuck E. Cheese. I don't know. But you'll take someone somewhere, you'll meet with them, and you'll, you'll just have a conversation 
You'll take it beyond what we do in this room and create a connection that you don't currently have or renew a connection that you once had. Is there someone this summer that you can reach out to to help build a little more community? I would even go further to say we have several on staff that are newer, and if you want to get to know them, a lot of people say, hey, I want to take, I want to take Mark to a coffee, and, and I'll do that. I'm happy to do that. But we have a lot of other staff as well who you may not have met yet, who you may not have gotten to know, and they haven't gotten to know you yet. You can go out in the lobby, and there are all the business cards. Just grab one on your way out and maybe invite one of them to a coffee this summer and get to know them and let them meet you but let's take the community beyond this room and let's plan on this fall taking a step taking a risk and being in an environment where we're experiencing both teaching and fellowship and let's activate our faith like those first century original Jesus followers did let's pray God we thank you so much that we get to be here with you today And Lord, in being here with you, we also know that you want us to grow. You invite us to grow. And life just gets so busy, it's so easy to to be distracted and to show up on a Sunday morning and all of a sudden we remember there is so much more opportunity to really knowing you, not just knowing about you, but having that personal relationship, that personal walk with you. Oh God, help us as a church to continue to take steps toward greater fellowship and teaching in the environment of community so that we can become more Christ-like and become more like you and love our neighbors in an attractive way that makes an impact and makes a difference. All for your glory, that is our prayer. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. I hope today's message was an encouragement to you. And if you'd like a little more information about our church, just visit us on our website at lifepointplano.org.